Welcome to The Collector's House, a Matches Fashion Podcast. I'm Danielle Rodeutchen. Each episode features a conversation with a creative mind about the things that inspire them or that have given their life meaning in some way. From books, to art, to a piece of jewellery, these objects are collected into a cabinet which resides in physical form in the attic at 5 Carlos Place, the Matches Fashion Townhouse in London. Today I'm speaking to Alexa Chung, the British fashion idol, beloved as much for her sense of fun and humour as for her unerring style. Discovered by a modelling scout at the age of 14, she first came to prominence as a TV presenter on music show Pop World, and soon morphed into an it girl and Vogue cover star, DJ and writer, before settling into her most recent role as designer of her self-named fashion label. So Alexa Chung, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great you. to have you on. How are you today? I'm good. I'm, um, I'm fresh off a plane from New York, although yesterday really. But so I'm a bit jet lagged, which makes me a bit psychedelic, slightly ratty. And I was feeling quite relaxed. And now um, we're downstairs from my office in De Beauvoir. And upstairs, while we're in the calm of this nice air-conditioned room, um, upstairs is a bit of a different feeling. Is it a new office? We, yeah, so we launched our brand a year ago and we've been through three offices. So our first site was my CEO Edwin's Kitchen and then we rapidly kind of expanded the team enough to justify a more professional looking space. So we moved to just off Brick Lane and then we had another one near Brick Lane and then this is our third, which we... Uh, kind of found as they were building it so we were able to spec it and we've already today I was informed that we've added four new desks so when I walked up there I was like oh it's getting smaller and smaller. Um, does that mean the team is growing then if you're adding more desks? Um, I think it's a mixture of I think we've only grown a little bit I think it's more that we've got more collections and shim sham taking up more space and we had these grand plans to have designated areas where stuff would sit or where you know the mood boards and the and the design boards would be shuffled away at the end of the day it just doesn't happen it's like yeah it's a work in progress but it's more orderly than it used to be for sure Mm. um so it's a quite a wide it's quite a broad spectrum of articles that are going in this imagined cabinet um firstly I'd like to start with just a genre of vibes, music, which obviously um, I can get more specific as we go along, but I think most things I do are informed by music. And that can be anything from a design process, definitely a a lot of um, imagery of like the Rolling Stones or the Beatles or Nico or... Uh, Patti Smith or um, God, a- anyone basically most of my muses are both male and female are, are musicians so in an aesthetic sense I'm heavily influenced by music but also sonically um, I am a singing jukebox when I'm not jukeboxing around the office I'm kind of parlaying it into a semi-professional at this point karaoke career <laughs> um, can you remember the first album you bought yeah, I bought um, 
I'm lucky because I have older siblings, so it wasn't like... I don't think my first album was as embarrassing as it could have been had I not been overlooked by ominous family members. But uh, They just wouldn't allow it. They'd just be like, not cool enough. Like, no. Um, but I bought Immaculate by Madonna on cassette tape from the local petrol station. And I felt really grown up. That was a cool, a cool one. And my brother bought Do the Bart Man by The Simpsons. <laughs> That's um, a really good one. I feel like a cassette could be quite good in a cabinet. Cassette's good. Actually, interestingly, last year we did a little shop window for somewhere in Paris. And in order to do the display, we decided to do a cabinet of curiosities from my life so it was like polaroids of stuff oh so you've already done this i just realized i have already yeah. done this <laughs> and there was a lot of like there was like yeah books and and cassette tapes and um weird sort of skulls and strange things in there so if it had to be a specific um album or track for this one mm-hmm. what do you think it would be that i just find like the most intimidating idea it's like saving your favorite thing too much pressure yeah but um generally speaking i know that i only really respond to guitar music i've tried to get into dance music i just find it so monotonous and there's something there is definitely something to be said for the aesthetic of a band needing to be a certain level as well because i i generally don't have much interest in music that also didn't come with a bit of a look i think so um quite shallow in that respect um, I think that sounds shallow but I don't know I mean it's always the Stones but I actually don't listen to the Stones that much I might whack on a Beast of Burden track every now and again but it's always very disparate what am I listening to at the moment I just watched that um, Netflix documentary about um, Jimmy Iovine and yeah. Dr Dre what's it called the dis- the um, D. I can't remember. D. Defiant ones. Defiant ones. And I loved that story about how the Patti Smith song came about. I loved that and too. I just because was just night. thinking of that when you mentioned Patti Smith. And that song is a is a fave of mine. And then to hear it was about kind of a unrequited night of sitting by the phone was just like that's quite good. But yeah, there's definitely. I love the way she had it sitting on the mantelpiece mm-hmm. for weeks. She's like, and oh, nah, I haven't listened to that. <laughs> One time I went to see Patti Smith, she played Electric Lady Studios and it was like a, I think she readed horses or something. And there was a girl in the front row and there was only about 40 people in this room and she, she stopped a song in the middle and was like, excuse me, can you get rid of the pocketbook? Which I guess is like old New Yorkie slang for handbag. She was like, it's really distracting me, that ugly pocketbook. Can you just oh put God. it on the floor? It's like, oh, Amazing. Patty. She also spat on the floor, which was sick. Um... But uh, music, for sure, I can't narrow it down to a single track, I'm afraid, because I'm just as likely to sort of... I spend a lot of time on genius because I love lyrics, and I think as well as being a sort of mule for great style, I I always think music is... um, I at least like to consume it as if I'm reading poetry because there's so many great lyrics on the planet. Love is a ring, the telephone, <laughs> for example. Um, yeah. Well, um, and with, with your being, you're a fashion designer now. It is a lot of work. I'm the creative director of the company, so not only does that mean I'm sort of in charge of design, it's a more all-encompassing role than that because it's also, and we're new, 
so I am heavily involved at this point, but I think it's just as much about being uh, involved in all of our events that we're doing or the copy on the website or um, the VIP gifting or the fabric development um, or, you know, the, the trinkets that's going to go on the ankle of the shoe in, you know, something, look seven season three from now. Like, it's a quite... That's why you find me today in such a fluster because this morning I've already been through like a Jersey uh, graphic design kind of meeting, uh, then a knitwear meeting, then I had a drop-in meeting about a future sort of avatar situation, and then I had a shoe That sounds conference. quite techie, avatar. S yeah, so... What kind of boss are you? Well, I don't, I don't know. That's what I'm worrying about now because I was just a bit rude to someone that works with me. Not uh -oh. rude, but I was just a bit like... I think my brain is quite scattergun, and so I'll worry about something that they haven't even seen coming yet. And uh, rather than express that concern earlier in a more logical way, I'll just be like... Bleh. Um, and I also want people to like me all the time, so I think I'm just walking around singing songs or telling jokes, and then I'll be like really mad that something's wrong. And I'm not very good at giving like positive feedback, so I'll either lie and sure, say I that's like not it, true. no, but I'll just be like, "That's great, thank you so much." Because at, at this point, I'm still really grateful that anyone's even turning up. So I'm just like, <laughs> "Oh, awesome, that's really cool." And then three months later. I'd be like, why is that in there? And they say, you said you really liked it. And I'm like, oh, no. See, that's why I need to learn to be a bit more direct without being coarse. And, uh, yeah. Is it different to how you thought it was going to be? Are there things where you're just like, wow. Yeah. I never knew that was a thing. I mean, I've always worked very hard. And I've, I think, if anything, this is probably, even though it's very time intensive, a bit easier in my brain than my old life which was you know collaborating with brands and basically consulting on all the swing tags and da 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 and doing events in that respect but then modeling for another brand simultaneously in a different locale and then turning up to do a live show in a country that didn't i didn't belong to and the rest of europe wouldn't even know i was live on air between three and five so like i felt like i was throwing a lot of love down a well for a long time and then not really being understood as an entity but being compartmentalized by other people which everyone is because you don't show your full no one could possibly understand one full human from every angle but for me it was always just a bit of a bummer when someone had a limiting a limited rather view of what I did for a living and that's why I kind of like flipped the table and gave it all up because I was like ah oh. I'm not an it girl. Wow, I've um, really thought about that. I'm really <laughs> working. Well, I also interviewed quite frequently. So yeah. I think yeah, about it. I've but done this before. Um, where does that... You do... I mean, I was thinking about that, how you do work really hard, obviously, and for many years. And where does that come from, that work ethic? Well, I think my dad had a really good work ethic, and so it seemed natural. What did he do, your dad? He was a graphic designer, and he was just always... I would see him assembling boards for the pitch the next day or like having got the design brief and like working on it at home my f siblings all did like the classic university and jobs thing so it wasn't like we were we were halfway between being quite a creative arty household but also you know just quite practical in that sense so a bit of that a bit of having been indoctrinated at a very young age the idea of like 
having to work your ass off because by 15 I was modeling and if you don't turn up to the castings you don't get the job and so there's a certain amount of drive around that and then you're competitive um yeah I said that to my friend Harley the other day I was like sometimes I think my competitive spirit outweighs my talent and it's more just like oh yeah she's doing that I'll give that a go um and then I think it's just nature because my siblings have jobs but I don't think they're quite as work obsessed as I am but I think it's to do with having too much energy basically and it makes me feel calm to think about multiple things simultaneously actually I find more calming than being bored wow um (laughs) and what about let's go back to the cabinet what else would you put in there um, I've got music. Yeah, so music. And then I think I would have to put not one city, but rather I think New York and London I would like to throw into one square section of this cabinet. Um, because I'm English and love being British and I love... I had to move back to London to start this business. And I love London, it's amazing to be back, but I actually had spent more of my 20s and formative years in New York, so I feel like I'm a bit Americanized by this point. And having just got back from New York doing all our sales and stuff there, I realized that that city for me is really still very inspiring, even though people say it's had its heyday. I'm like, what are you talking about? What, how are people, what's, what's it like up there? How's it different to London? What, what, in terms of what people are wearing, for example? Um, Style-wise, I don't see much of a difference because I think I hang out with like probably quite similar or like-minded people in both places and now things are so much more international. I find it harder to identify silhouette. I do think it's, generally speaking, a bit more polished there and people um, seem... Um, I think in London there's more eccentricity being expressed and more diverse style, whereas there it's kind of maybe all in a similar vein. How come you couldn't start your label out there? I could have done, like practically speaking, but I think, well, this is it. So I love New York because of its energy and because it's so, you know, it's a city that never sleeps literally but it meant that I was never sleeping and I think I recognized that by my early 30s I was like shit if I want to start a business and like feel a bit calmer I think it's about removing myself from how easy peasy this city is to just kind of get lost in and I sort of felt like no one was really keeping track and that I might need to be back around some family members and does it have a much busier social scene? It's not it? that. It's just easier to do whatever you want. So everything's you can, closer. Everything's closer. Everything's just like a bit... The response time is quicker. So you can just be like, oh, yeah, I'll join you there in 15 minutes on 56th Street and 6th Avenue, even though I live in the East Village. Whereas here, if someone's like, yo, do you want to go to Lalo in West London? I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's just too far away. Um, I mean, I do want to go, but I can't. What are your favourite spots? What, what, what are the things and places you find most inspiring in New York? Um, just even crossing the Williamsburg Bridge to get into the city is always like an iconic view but for me reminds me of moving there for the first time in like 2009 or 10 and just it for me it like symbolizes 
optimism and every time I revisit it's like being re-upped on the energy or like the batteries are getting zooped up. Is Brooklyn up. still a, th- a thing or is it? No. Sort of, I, I don't... Where's everyone, where is it? Where is, where's the cool happening place now? Well, the elusive, the cool is still evading me personally, but I think, I mean, it was like easier to find it in Williamsburg before, but then that kind of went when Apple and um, CVS and Chase Bank descended, and now it's like J. Crew and shmish, shmish, shmish. Um, but there's still pockets of it, like Greenpoint's still pretty good, Bushwick, but it's too far out. Um, East Village and Lower East Side is kind of where I hang out most of the time, but I think I need to find a more grown-up version of Manhattan now, which is what I was saying about sort of coming back here and setting up the business. It was also because I wanted to have a shorthand dialogue with a team that understood just intrinsically the wit and humour and kind of nonsense that I wanted the brand to be imbued with. Is there a person you're thinking about? Do you Have you, have you constructed this... Consume the customer for the Alexa Chung label. Yeah, we. I. It was something that I thought have been thinking about, and we've tried to sort of catch it. But it's a bit like you know trying to catch. I don't know bubbles or something. Mm. Um, I know who I admire and who I the type of women that I respond to, but then I don't know if that means that's also the end person that buys it or so not. is that the starting point you might come up with some people different people i when i read about your first collection i think you were mentioning some musicians like um brian jones yeah um and i know you, you sort of reference those people quite a lot um is that how you start each collection is that the process well it was for the first one for sure but but actually since then that's never really happened again i think it's all, nowadays and again it might change with time but i've found that for me in order to create a new world and a new collection each time, it's easier to create new characters. So it's less um, direct than Charlotte Rampling now, and it's like kind of triple bounces a bit more. So it'll be an amalgamation of stuff. So this collection that will be out, I think when this is out, is called Hotel Motel, and that's like a full movie in my mind, just as Prom Gone Wrong was, or Fantastic, or The Muse. And so it's like a... So what's Hotel Motel all about? <laughs> the Hotel <laughs> Motel. Evocative. It's, uh, it started with a quilt that I found, uh, like a patchwork quilt, which I guess is quite Americana anyway. And I think the collections that preceded this have all been fairly Brit-centric. Where did you find this quilt? I think it was in Stella Dallas in New York, 10-inch Ten inch giant. Or something. I can't remember the name of the shop. It's something like... A vintage shop. A vintage shop in Brooklyn. And I found this patchwork quilt and I really liked it. It wasn't just this one article either, by the way. I think simultaneously I was watching like, or seeing Paris, Texas pop up on people's Instagrams and listening to a bit of Dolly Parton. I don't know. A bunch of things kind of uh, assembled. And then I thought about this slightly sort of sad Mrs. Robinson character who maybe was had gone a bit wayward and was le- leaving wherever she was from and living in a motel, a bit like a glamorous Alan Partridge, but in America <laughs> with a large plate to match. Um, <laughs> and that she was this kind of quite seductive 
glamorous Alan Partridge. Glamorous Alan Partridge, yeah. So she's like a bit of a croupier, sort of down on her luck. I don't know, really. She's just wandering around trying to find herself again. I've definitely... There's always that thing of like when you're in your early 20s and there's a lot of literature and stuff around finding oneself and there's a lot of like media targeted at that age group but what if you're like older and still don't have your shit together (laughs) so that was kind of the idea of this collection just like fuck sometimes you also get to be an adult and you still feel like a bit of a lost weekend are there pieces that you carry over from collection to collection yeah now it's gaining momentum we had to sort of create the first four collections first in order to be able to identify silhouettes and realise what was kind of the cornerstones of our brand. But now, yeah, even though it's quite early stages still, I think we're finessing the denim and, you know, there's definitely a blazer that comes back time and again. Is that a bestseller? I'm forcing it to be. I'm not sure it is a bestseller. I'm just like, that's a bestseller. And they're like, actually, madam, it's not. (laughs) But I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, it must be. Um, There's always some kind of overall jumpsuit and um, a kind of quite weird knit knit item. Those seem to be our things. Have you had feedback from the general public about it? Do people write to you about it on Instagram Mm -hmm. and say things? Yeah, definitely. Um, they usually say it's so expensive and I say nothing no um, (laughs) why is it that price is it um, it's that price because because it's a full-on process so one is the time it takes for us to develop these fabrics and make them especially for you Mm. the other one is I only will work with factories that have been um, approved and have a really good track record we want to pay the people that make the clothes well and you know the whole there aren't any moments in the entire line of production from inception to delivery where we're compromising so I think we're still delivering something that's really good at a contemporary price point but it could it literally couldn't be cheaper without Mm. us using children in China or compromising on a fabric quality or where where, where are they made i mean various places we produce in portugal um italy is denim um a lot of our fabrics come from italy actually as well and then um eastern europe seems to be a place that we get things made China, a couple of styles when we want like an entry price dress. It's probably too technical for this kind of thing. But uh, I wasn't expecting so many Scotland, places. Scotland, <laughs> knitwear. Yeah, lots of places. But also, I think, you know, we lose sight of value. And I think I'm not expecting everyone to buy everything from every collection time after time. So I think if you think about it on average as being an investment piece. And one of the nice things I've read is this lady did a blog about why she likes our clothes. And she was like, they are um, irreverent but appropriate. And I was like, that's really nice. So she like bought something thinking it would be a one season thing, but actually finds that she can style it a number of ways and it's carried over. So that's kind of the best praise you could get. Yeah. Irreverent but appropriate. Yeah. Like moi. Of course. <laughs> that's the obvious thing to ask. Just next. like moi. <laughs> and. Cabinet-wise, what yeah. else are we thinking about? 
Can I put a cabinet in the cabinet? Oh, that's just so meta. <laughs> Could do. Well, no, a just, mini cabinet well, in a compartment of the cabinet. Because one of the things is, as well, I'm 34, and it took up until now to be interested in interior design. Like, I really... It's a bit like... I remember when I first started getting, like, nice underwear. And I don't necessarily mean, like, sexy underwear. I just mean, like, <laughs> just nice pants that weren't, like, didn't come in a four-pack. <laughs> Um, where, do, where, where do you get your pants from? Well, that's separate, but now, I don't know, Stella McCartney mm. or... I mean, I still haven't pushed the boat out with a res because I'm just a bit like, am I going to be able to machine wash you without feeling weird? But anyway, much like buying underwear and, you know, ASOP products in your 20s and being like, yeah. oh, there's no flatmate that's going to use all of the nice rose yeah. one. Um, I now feel like I'm at an age where I've started to notice soft furnishings in a way that I didn't really give a shit about it before. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that cushion. <laughs> um, so there, there might have to be a space for that. What else did we talk about? For a cabinet. For a cabinet, cabinet in the cabinet. In the cabinet in the cabinet. Yeah. And where do you, so you live in New York? So does that have No, you, I don't. I live in London now. So oh, I've right. lived here for 18 months, ever since oh, we had to birth okay. this child. So have you decorated the home? Well, yes, I have. I have a house in East London, and I slowly but surely kind of pieced it together. Um, so I was feeling quite rebellious about it, and I remember years ago having an ex-boyfriend who was really reluctant to decorate. He was always just like, "Why well, we're that's too old for us to do." So we just used to tack up posters of like David Bowie and like. Mm. deliberately even though we were like living in a nice house and then I did that as well in my New York apartment where I was like oh I don't want to seem too grown up before my time so I'd like to throw a blanket over a sofa or whatever and then with the London when I moved to London I was like all right let's try and actually paint cabinets things rather than sellotaping over them and so now that's actually looking quite nice but I'm actually about to move so do you do you saw stuff um, do you like to go and look at like markets or shops, actual shops, or do you go online and go like I'm gonna get on eBay? And- um, I'm less good with um, furniture, at least on eBay, because you can't really tell scale. And I've made a couple of mistakes where I've bought an ashtray or something, and it's turned out to be like a miniature kind yeah. of ring box, and I'm like, oh, um, that could fit in the cabinet. Yeah, that could, <laughs> that could fit in the cabinet. Um, and also, my style has changed. Like I used to be far more into like that shabby chic kind of look and everything would be like a bit dusty and you know whatnot and I think that was a hangover from growing up in Hampshire and wanting things to look like they used to to my eyeballs whereas now I suddenly was like no it's about brutalism (laughs) um so I don't know I'm just still finding what my taste is maybe for that Uh, but yeah cabinet so we had the I think we were going to talk about um so we've got music two cities London and New York so yeah we'll do a split map for that one London, New York, cabinet, in the cabinet. Mm-hmm. Did I say so? Oh, psychic mm. powers, which is abstract. I would like to put my psychic... I would like to put my psychic powers in this cabinet. Explain. Explain. Mm. Um, or do you have to? <laughs> I can read your mind. Yes. No. Uh, basically, it's not necessarily psychic powers, but I think a certain amount of intuition... It's something that's been very helpful for me in my life. And I f- believe that everyone is intuitive. It's just whether or not you're willing to, like, tune into it or, like, actually listen to your gut, I guess is the other thing they say. But um, whenever it's come to, like, business decisions or other, 
and, and it's been more successful for me in terms of like work life where I've just always known when to get off the ride or like felt like I've always felt it rather than thought it I sort of need to apply that to my romantic life a bit more but um, <laughs> aside from just a heightened intuition I also am legit psychic <laughs> right give me I an just example. contradict give me an myself <laughs> yesterday no two days ago my friend Laura um who I don't know that well, but friendly with, was walking down the road with my other friend, and she said to him, guess my middle name, and he said, what of all the names on the planet? And then I had just woken up from a nap and was traipsing behind them, and I said, Michaela, and she went, yes. And I was like, correct. So that's just like one in, there's usually three a day. So they're on holiday, they were calling me the witch. Oh my god, you should talk to Luella. She's well into all well, that I witch do. stuff. Well, I do. Yeah, she. Yeah. We do. Have talk you spoken about that. to her about yeah. witches? Definitely. Yeah. We're all like, there's a coven, isn't there? Yeah. I think we're all a I bit think witchy. Luella was talking about there's a museum in Cornwall, which is a witch yes. museum. Yeah. Which sounds incredible. Um, did she put landslide in her <laughs> music choices? I don't think it? she did mention landslide. Mm. But yeah, that. Okay, psychic abilities. How would we represent that in a physical way maybe, maybe just the day glow that hand where it's like the psychic it's the palm with the psychic yes. in the middle that's a good one but you know it ebbs and flows like I probably haven't been that psychic for about a year and then suddenly I was like literally like licking my finger and putting it up to the wind and being like this person will text me in one hour and they'd be like ding it was Amazing. getting really weird um, and do you want to look at the list things snacks okay another thing i must add to this ever-growing curiouser and curiouser cabinet is snacks um i'm not famed for food consumption but i'll have you know (laughs) i think people have been quite obsessed with what you eat over the years haven't they they've been obsessed with what i don't eat over the years that must be annoying um do you know what not really because I mean, it, it has been, it only, it used to be annoying because I'd be like, it used to be annoying because the reason I was extraordinarily thin was because I was extraordinarily heartbroken and I felt so sick every morning. I couldn't put anything in my body. Um, yeah, I just was really thin because I was really sad. And I don't know if you've ever been heartbroken. I, people I either have. take it two ways. They either become eaters or they become deniers. Yeah, I have. It's the only time I've ever lost weight. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, nowadays, uh, I love snacks. So basically I learned about myself is that I don't like three big meals a day. I like to eat constant, I like to constantly graze like a cow. And so, uh, you know, cheese strings, almonds, avocados, Snickers bars. Oh, right. I was about to say healthy, but so not that healthy. No, because I do recognize that I have been thin. So I've never like one to deny pancakes or waffles or whatever. Um... Yeah, I like constant snacks. There's usually like some weird chocolate bar in the handbag there. Is Snickers your chocolate bar of choice? It's become it because it feels substantial enough to keep me going. But they sell Maltesers here as well, which I'm partial to. Because they're quite good to eat in a meeting because you can suck it and disappear it without causing too much interruption. When you say they sell them here, do they not sell them in New York? Oh, you mean here, here in the Literally office? Literally in the office, yeah. I'm they sure you can get them. Yeah. They sell them in the office. I, I'm too lazy to go to the <laughs> shop. <laughs> but when you've got a cafe in the basement, it's just easier to get things from there. Yeah. Um, so Snickers, so it's a combo, isn't it, of like 
unhealthy things like Snickers and then avocado and almonds are obviously very healthy. Cheese. Do you cook? I can cook, yeah. And that's another thing. When I was living... So I live in London now. And when I was living in New York, I kind of parked the cooking because you just don't get to do it there. Firstly, because everyone's apartment is tiny and you can't really have anyone round. And as everyone knows, eating for one is like a real boo-hoo. So... Um, now that I'm back in England and have a bit more space and kind of can make dinner I'm often eating with friends and we can take it in turns to cook but I'm still very much a kind of either pasta with some kind of sauce girl or a fish with mm. potato dove and or a sweet potato baked like I'm, wow. it's not that extensive what's your favourite pasta sauce? Um, I just make like a spicy tomato situation or I tried to make my own pesto the other day and it was absolutely disgusting. Wow. I always think with pesto, it's actually one of those things that tastes better when you buy it in a jar. 100% because the ratio is hard to get right. And yeah. I think I Googled like Jamie Oliver and he's so lax with the measurements. He's like, a pinch of this, <laughs> yeah. a squoggle of that, yeah. a little boobly doo of like pepper <laughs> and then some schmushmur of this. And I'm like, I don't know what schmushmur of garlic means. And yeah. therefore now it's disgusting. <laughs> Maybe that's why. Um, yes, pesto, good one. Um, okay, and then your on, your final thing, which I've got written down here. Should I remind you what it is? Dive bars. Oh, dive bars. <laughs> so that's quite a New York thing, isn't it? Yeah. Or American, not just New York. Yeah, I mean, you can find them in Dalston still yes. alive and kicking, but um, I really like I really like really shitty bars because I feel comfortable in them. And I think I spend like half of my life at a really lovely dinner with some kind of floral arrangement and my name in front of me and some guests that I don't know, which is really fun and like a luxury situation and has been delightful to enjoy. But in contrast to that, my reality when I'm not in the dress that someone's going to pick up the next day and take away from me is to just spend most of my time like shooting pool in dive baths. Is it beer? Beer and I don't pool. drink beer. I am quite laddie, but beer is one I've never got behind. I like can't. I just don't, I really don't like the taste of it. But it is complicated on a hot day because that is like such a perfect four p.m. kind of road soda. But what's your drink of choice? Well, I like rosé. <laughs> I like rosé. Sometimes it gives me the headache. That's a day drink. It's really but nice at this time of year. So nice. Mm. Or it's not a very dive bar. It's not much of a dive bar drink, though. No, and I wouldn't recommend you try it because I did it the other day. <laughs> really? and it's disgusting. Um, but in in the dive bars, it's it's whiskey. Wow, hardcore whiskey on ice. No, I've tried to get to the point where I can just drink a whiskey, Ooh. but I I'm not there yet. Luckily, can I'd you like do it without why. making a face? No, no. no. I, I like a 15 year old. I add Coca Cola to it. Um, but then someone refused to give me that the other day in a bar. Well, I was like, can I have a whiskey and coke? No, he was just like, okay, no more. You've got to grow up now. It's a gin and tonic. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Um, and what about Mary Quant? Oh, yeah. I just, you asked me to think of things for the cabinet, and I thought of yeah. them with haste, and I just added someone that I don't know if this is going to make the long-form cut. But it can be extra. Do you think it should be that? I think it should actually just be the 60s. I think I'd like to put the 60s in my cabinet because even though nowadays I can, I'm like kind of more forgiving regarding the 80s, I used to be like die hard 
um, oh my god, we should put Die Hard in the. I'm obsessed Die with Bruce Willis. I just <laughs> Wait, hang on. The other day. Is it Die Hard or Bruce Willis? We're putting okay. Bruce Willis in Die Hard. Yeah. So yeah. the other day I went to this dinner. And Bruce actual Willis was at this dinner and no one was freaking out. And I was like, what's going on, Bruce? Like, greatness walks. We all need to bow down. And all of these chicks at this fashion dinner in New York were like, why? What's he been in? I don't even know. And I'm like, Bruce Willis? Come on. The best franchise of our time. Die Hard. Um, i really, I think he's quite sexy. He's slamming hot, smoking hot. And then my friend embarrassed me and took me over there and kind of just humiliated me in front of him. So. You spoke to him? Yeah, what and I was like, please say? don't make me speak to him. You don't understand. I'm like genuinely a fan. I didn't say much. I turned red and started laughing and then was like, yeah. Did he speak to you? Yeah, he said, if you want a selfie, I'm going to have to charge. And I was like, oh, no, I don't want a selfie. <laughs> uh, and then he was trying to crack That's a joke with cheeky. me. Yeah, he was like, usually I ask for one euro. Or like he made some <laughs> gag and I was like, I don't have any money and I don't want one. I just like didn't get the gag. I, mean, I just really blew it. Anyway, no, separately from Die Hard, the movies, I think what would be nice to add to this cabinet, because it's, because I've taken so much from it, <laughs> is the decade, the 60s, um, which I've managed to move on from a bit, but I think um, I just really liked, I don't know much about, I mean, no, I know everything about the 60s. I, my mum had the good fortune to live through the 60s and I always feel like she didn't enjoy it as much as I would. <laughs> She's like, but it was different then, Alexa, la la la. And I'm like, no, why weren't you trying to meet the Beatles, mum? And she was like, because I'm not an awful groupie. Yeah. Um, I love the fashion. I love the youth quake. I love that there was a moment when suddenly, like, social boundaries are being torn down and, like, someone, the aristocratic could be a photographer, but equally so could, um, you know, David Bailey or Terence Stamp could be an actor, but also so could, I don't know, Vanessa Redgrave or like whatever. I like the idea that there was this melting pot of stuff going on. And of course, the political movements and activism that was springing up around that time in earlier years to now, I was always looking on that as like an aesthetic and be like oh how cool like look at all these protests they were doing in like the the love-in and the this and that and all these communes and this utopia and etc etc and of course 69 came but um now I'm like oh wait no they weren't just holding up cool signs and like looking awesome they were like trying to campaign to change shit so 60s has to go in there for how it's mirroring stuff now, but also because mini skirts, Peter Pan collars, you know, flat shoes, twiggy, eyelashes, etc., etc. Good look. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Is that it? Yeah. Unless you want to have anything else. End. Yeah. Sorry that it was very waffly. No, waffly's good. We loved it. Thank you so much. Okay. Great. That was an episode of The Collector's House, a Matches Fashion podcast. You can find more episodes and more about Five Carlos Place on the Matches Fashion website, and you can join the conversation on social media by searching for at Matches Fashion and the hashtag Five Carlos Place. Thanks for listening. Mm